everybody this is another episode of the agony of defeat podcast i forgot what the name of our podcast was when you started to speak <laughs> right matt it's good to be back jonathan it's good to be here um we are we hope fervently that we will be recording regularly this coming academic year yeah we've been off for the summer now it's time to get it going and, again and uh we are delighted that Olivia Corrier is going to be our producer for this year. Extremely delighted. And incredibly thankful. Yes. So thank you, Olivia. Um, and um, and we'll be hearing from her as we as, as we move on. So we have a, so I should say first, I'm Jonathan Weiler. I'm a professor of global studies at UNC with a longstanding interest, uh, some might say unhealthy in sports. <laughs> No such thing. Yeah, okay, there is. Yeah, I'm uh, Matthew Andrews. Uh, I teach courses on sport and American history here uh, at UNC Chapel Hill as as well. And we have a guest with us. We're gonna, Jonathan and I are gonna talk amongst ourselves for a couple of minutes. But uh, we have our, our our good friend and colleague Joshua Nadel, who teaches Latin American and Caribbean history at North Carolina Central and is the author of two books, uh, Football, Why Soccer Matters in Latin America, and Footballera, A History of Women and Sports in Latin America. And so Jonathan and I are gonna talk with Josh about those topics. We're gonna talk about football, i.e. soccer, and we're gonna talk about issues that arose this summer during the Women's World Cup, uh, and some contemporary issues in uh, Major League Soccer. Yes, and, and it's, it's worth noting as well that Josh like Matt and myself, is a Tar Heel. Uh, got his PhD here in history, as did Matt. Um, so it's, it's, it's all in the family. That's and, right. And thank you so much for having me on. Sure, Bye. absolutely. Well, Three guys talk, talking to female athletes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about appropriate. <laughs> nothing, yeah. nothing problem. So as we like to do at the start of every episode, uh, we have uh, our feature, The Agony of Defeat Rant. Um, we have a few good rants queued up. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if mine's going to be good because we just came up with the topic a couple of minutes ago. But yours is excellent, and we're going to save that one for next week, I think. We are going to save that for next week. Uh, but I think yours is good too, Matt. You want to tease the audience just for, uh, just a little bit about what we're going to talk about next week? Yeah, so next week, if all goes well, we will have back on the show the awesome Victoria Jackson. Our very first guest. Our Josh, very you're first. our very second guest. Wow. By That's right. I'm, I'm That's honored right. because Victoria Jackson um, is yeah. a phenomenal guest. Yeah, Victor so Victoria herself is a UNC alum, was a track athlete, and is now a professor of history and sport. Uh, I'm sure I'm not getting the title exactly right at Arizona State. Right. And has become a very prominent national thinker and critic of the the AA. she's going to be in town next week so we are our thing uh that she will be on the show listen the rant that i've queued up for for next week will be really related to that topic okay and we have to get her now after that lead we do have to get her now the yeah, people yeah, are going to yeah. expect it I, I've, I've oversold okay in all likelihood well i'll go with my rant then which is just something that was bothering me yesterday as i was watching as i want to do espn and scrolling across the bottom well let me back up let's talk about antonio brown and I don't think this is going to be the normal take on Antonio Brown. Everyone is up in arms about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, the mercurial NFL wide receiver who 
through uh, social media shenanigans, recording a private phone conversation with his head coach and then posting it online, got himself released from the Oakland Raiders. Um, after being released, or was he traded? He was traded, traded from, from the Pittsburgh the Steelers, Steelers uh, at the end of last season. But but for pennies on the dollar, because he essentially forced his way out. Forced his way, way out. Yeah. And so, so we're upset about his, his behavior with the Steelers. There's there about his behavior with the Oakland Raiders. He basically failed up, and he and he ended the New England Patriots. Um, and he's there there for a week. He plays one game. He catches a touchdown. And, and right when he's there, all of these really awful, salacious stories are released about him. And, and significant allegations. Yes. I mean, some of them are just not paying people for building a $30,000 aquarium in his house. Okay, that's bad behavior. Some of these allegations are potentially criminal. I mean, in, the, the accusation. In, including sexual assault. Sexual assault. And he's then promptly released from the New England Patriots. And people were up in arms about Antonio Brown. How have we enabled an Antonio Brown as sports fans? And there's a real conversation to be had there. But what's, what I want to rant about, what is just driving me nuts, is the way the sports media has latched onto this Antonio Brown story. And it is 24 hours, seven days a week, of every little teeny thing that Antonio Brown does. Antonio Brown is registering for an online class. Antonio Brown had huevos rancheros for, for breakfast. Antonio Brown says this. It's just this nonstop feeding frenzy. It's not what I'm interested in when I get... Maybe I should look myself in the mirror and say, what am I doing getting on and reading about sports and watching about sports? But at some, some point, it just seems to be there needs to, needs to be some type of editorial control about the t- type stories that are put on sites like ESPN.com. Enough of it already. Um, I'm, as you know, I'm not the type of guy that says, keep politics out of sports. I don't no. want to talk about but keep Antonio Brown's breakfast. We would not have a podcast if you were the type to say, That's right. keep politics out of sports. But what Antonio Brown has for, for, for breakfast is not what I'm interested in. When right. I get so, so Matt, I just want to say that, I mean, part of what you're speaking to is the fact that in a, and it's a cliche, but it's true, in, the, in a 24-7 news cycle with endless, literally endless content space to fill. Sure. This is what happens. Yes. Right. Antonio Brown happens and uh, Donald Trump happens. Yeah. One, one might then, say. Right. And, and I would say among the unfortunate consequences of that is that in some ways, because there's no editorial discretion, what gets drowned out are the serious parts of the story. Including this one. Sure. Where, again, very serious, serious allegations been made against right, them. but we've moved on from that. No, right, right. right. To do these other issues, so, like, which aren't issues. So there's no difference between well, he he might actually assaulted somebody, and he took an online class. That's a great right. point. They're yeah. the, they're the same thing in this type of discourse, and that is maddening. One has replaced the other right. as the scroll well, on right. the bottom. I would right. even argue, if I can sort of interject, that the, the online class is actually seen as some ways redemptive of of the sexual assault. Hmm. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Right. So he turned assault. over a new leaf. Right. He can redeem himself if he, you know, takes anger management. If he does all sorts of other things, he can be, yeah. you know, be allowed back into the league, basically. Right. Um, regardless of the fact that he's actually there's a civil trial for rape that he's that right. he's in, involved with, right. and also uh, alleged sexual assault. And I think he's also someone, if we're taking a, a big picture look, and again, I don't really want to turn this into a discussion about Antonio Brown, but he's someone who needs help. 
I mean, clearly, the guy is self-destructive, and it's hard to watch, actually. Well, and to your point, Matt, a friend made this point to me a couple of weeks ago before the sexual assault uh, complaint was filed in civil court that Antonio Brown, who by all accounts a sort of nice, humble guy 10 years ago, how much of this is after 10, 10 years of playing NFL, NFL, NFL football and the head injuries and what that does for people's cognitive function, erratic behavior? I mean, yeah. we obviously don't know that. We don't know. But it, but it is the – it is – is it not the elephant in the room of so many of these stories? Well, this is, I mean, what I'm starting to call now the OJ theory. Do you remember the first time that someone actually raised the question with OJ Simpson, you know, a few years ago when we were really starting to talk about CTE? Hmm, I wonder if that had something to do with the whole OJ Simpson right. incident. And I remember right. that just rocked my world. Right. I'd never thought of it right. in those right. terms. Because it was no part of the story. Because well, there was no such thing as ago. CTE right. as far as right. we knew back right. then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Rant over. Okay, so on to the main event today. Uh, Josh, again, thanks so much for Please. being here. So, uh, Josh, we wanted to talk about both the equal pay issue and just uh, and some issues related to women's soccer more more broadly. Yeah. Um, so, I guess the question is, where where should we where where do we want to start? To start with, should we start with equal pay? Or? Well, actually, actually, would you speak just generally about, only about the, this past Women's World R- yeah. World Cup? Yeah, I mean, your, your thoughts watching this? Sure. I mean, I think the storyline of the Women's World Cup from the perspective of the United States, of course, is winning two in a row. We have, you know, Jill Ellis becoming the first coach to win two, two World Cups. You have Megan Rapinoe, obviously, um, and her very public uh, feuding with Donald Trump and, um, and, and the platform that I think the entire women's team used uh, after the World Cup as sort of to, to, to make political statements yeah. and to sort of to say, look, we now have this, this space to speak and we need to, we need to use it, uh, which is something that actually Rapino echoed last night and or it, two nights ago yeah. um, when she accepted a FIFA award. Josh, I, I sort of scoff when you said this public feuding. I'm not scoffing because of what anything Megan Rapino is saying. Right. Just the, the, the gall of the president of the United States to get in this very public war of words with an American American as they're representing the United States. Well, I found that I found that galling. It, it is, is totally saying. it is galling, but yeah. it also so it, it seems par for the course. For yeah, of course. Right? Like yes. he will stoop to level. There is no level level two will not stoop. Right. You know, I think the, the the beauty of it was he sort of said put up or shut up, and you know, to which Rapino won the trophy. Yeah. Won the golden boot. Won the best player award. Right. And, she sort of was like and and, and didn't rub it in his face afterwards. No, uh, right. No. Just she just she just let her actions. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Speak Josh, but just before you continue, this is really just to sort of add to your what you're about to say. It was my impression that after this World Cup, there was a greater acknowledgement of the greatness of the American women than than we've seen before. I I Mm. felt like they were celebrated. I mean, 1999 was this incredible when they beat the Chinese and. Brandy Chastain takes off her overshirt, and sure. you know all of that got a lot of attention. But I felt like there was had to bring up the overshirt. Well, it's 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 the an overshirt. Im- Is that what it's called? <laughs> he said overshirt. It's, 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 it's a shirt. shirt. It's the phrase I'm going to use. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess it's it's an image that everybody remembers. Sure, sure. But I I do feel like there's a greater acknowledgement of, of the greatness of the team in this World Cup than we've ever 
seen before. So no, no, I just to sure. throw that in. That in. Yeah, and I think that that does in fact go sort of lead to where I'm going. If part of the reason that there's this sort of recognition of the team as as being, you know, I don't know whether you would say the best that the U.S. has ever produced, uh, is that there's a great deal more parity in women's in women's soccer uh-huh. than there used to be, mm-hmm. right? Um, primarily from European teams, but not only from European teams. And so, you know, France, as the host nation, was seen as a potential victor. England was seen uh, as, as very strong. Japan, which won in 2005, uh, 2011 and was a finalist in 2015. There's a lot, There's and Germany, of course, right? Uh, yeah. You just had a ton of strong teams there, I think, right? Uh, Holland sort of surprised everybody making it to the finals but um but the the broader issue is that women's football women's soccer excuse me uh globally yeah, what, what are we going to say are we going to say football or we're, or we're say soccer this is driving me nuts i don't know what to say well I, as a latin americanist i i tend towards football but you know i i, I can soccer i mean yes, soccer is I, what we call I, it in I, the united states i think i, I was going to say, say hey, either in the listeners Am- you know what we're talking in about. the american english vernacular think soccer soccer works and to yeah. be fair, soccer is actually a, Brit- a Britain originally. So, yeah. you know, if we right. go back in history. Right. But I think, you know, it, it also speaks, one of the things that this World Cup also speaks to is really um, not only greater parity uh, and, and, and by and large higher levels of support, but also a lot more sort of solidarity and, and activism around, uh, around women's soccer around the world. Um, if you take the case of both Chile and Argentina, um, Argentina was in the World Cup uh, I think for the second time, Chile was there for the first time. Um, mm. And both of those teams had basically to strike and, and under, uh, undertake collective action in order to even make it to the World Cup, right? Um, you mean in order for their resources to be raised in, exactly. to support their travel? Exactly. From their national federations. From their national federations, federations. Uh, exactly. Uh, so in the case uh, of Argentina, um, the women's team gets $8, the equivalent of $8 for training a day. Um, if you can sort of, if we if we work on the levels of parity and wow. equal pay, right? So they're to get paid eight dollars per dollars per day. Um, they were not getting paid, so even that eight dollars. So they went on strike. Um, in Chile, the, the the players actually formed a players union in order to to mobilize. Um, basically, after uh, two thousand fifteen, roughly uh, two thousand sixteen, the Chilean federation essentially cut off funding to the women's team and didn't tell didn't tell players whether they were on the team, didn't tell them who the coaches were, didn't call them in. Um, and so they organized and got support of, of some of the sort of key men's players as well mm. um, to to sort of force the federation back into action. So the answer so, to the question, I mean, when we think about men's soccer, I, I, I certainly think of, of men's soccer as being a, a Latin American and a European game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we think about women's soccer, it's the United States and Europe. You just named all the great teams and they were all European teams. So the answer to the question, why are there no good Latin American women's teams, is because they don't have any resources. I mean, that is a short answer. Sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Brazil, right? Let's. I, I don't want to count out Brazil, but right. Brazil basically is a successful women's team in spite of its federation, not because mm. of its federation, right? If you... If, and if, has a player, Marta, which, which, who's long considered the greatest player in the, in the world. Right. Right. I think she's won six awards for best player uh, in the world. And maybe uh, shouldn't have won one best one that she won. Sorry, Marta, because you are a <laughs> goddess and, uh, and, right, and right, my player right, ever. Right, but, right, but like, right. you know, she's a, a little bit past life, her prime, right? A lifetime <laughs> achievement <laughs> award at that yeah. point. Award. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think if Brazil, if the Brazilian women's team had a quarter of the resources of the U.S. women's team or the French women's team, 
uh, a quarter were treated with with the seriousness uh, of those teams, Brazil would have won hmm. at least one, probably more than one World Cup Olympics. Uh, uh, Josh, I just want to add. I mean, it just occurs to me that in terms of just concrete self-interest on the part of national soccer federations, it's so stupid and short-sighted not to fund girls and women's soccer because it's not just a matter of, okay, well, they're going to play soccer. They're also going to become fans of the sport, including men's soccer. See, mm. you're really just undercutting, in a broad sense, You are all you are doing is undercutting your own product. I couldn't agree more. more. I think this is, you know, cynically, this is why FIFA began to start supporting women's soccer eventually, right? Uh, and. To, to but let me just say, said, that's, a, that's, a, that's an assism, sure. right? That's fine. I mean, yeah. they are recognizing it is in their interest to do that. And, yes. And a good is, I mean, at least in theory, a good is coming out of that. Yes. Right? I think the, the difference is if you look at sort of the, the mission statements of any of these organizations, whether it's U.S. Soccer Federation or the, the Brazilian Federation, AFA, FIFA, whatever it is, right? Their mission statement is not to create profitable leagues or profitable tournaments, but rather to grow <laughs> the sport, right? And so, and so, and so, to to it, it's taken a really long time for them to get to the point of saying, "Oh, look at this market," right? When rea yeah, when right. in reality, the entire time their purpose is to grow the sport, not yes. to grow the men's sport, not to create I, I, exactly. You know. Well, and obviously, right. this is FIFA that when they. Have, finally said, okay, we'll have a, a Women's World Cup in 1991. They didn't even allow it to be called the Women's World Cup. It was the, 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 the M&M's Cup. The, the, the first one, yeah. Yeah, the, the first one. Uh, retroactively, they, they, they call it a World Cup. Well, not only that, I mean, I think, you, you know, if a little bit farther back, right, back, right, they're unofficial. And I hate using the word unofficial because it suggests that FIFA has a, a monopoly over, over soccer, right? Which, I mean, it does. But it suggests that they have a monopoly over soccer history as well. As well. Um, there were Women's World Championships in 1970 and 1971. Hmm. Um, you know, in 1970, it was in Italy. Who won? Sweden won. Uh, Denmark won, sorry. Um, and Mexico came in third. Mexico hosted the second one in, in 1971. And in fact, in 1971, in January 1971, FIFA... Um, at a meeting in Greece, told all of its member federations to uh, to take over women's soccer, uh, and then basically once they took over women's soccer, took it under their wings, they let it die on the vine. Right. So FIFA knew that these World Cups happened, and in fact, Estadio in in 1971, there were over 110,000 people who saw the finals um, when Denmark beat Mexico. Wow. Um, you know, but FIFA still says that the most people ever to see a women's world a women's soccer matches 96,000 in 1999 or 99, 94,000 in the Rose Bowl in, the yeah. Rose Bowl in 1999, yeah, even though they know mm -hmm. that this other history exists, right? Right, right, right. Um, right, right. That was a bit of a depression. No, that's okay. That's great. Let's get right. to, the, to the conversation then that started to, to dominate the Women's World Cup about, about um, equal pay. Maybe you can break this down for us because this is a conf confused issue. I mean, when, when you read about it, there are so many different ways that people are, are calculating pay and, and profit. There's the issue of uh, the United States Soccer Federation paying the players. There's the, uh, there's the issue of FIFA paying the, the players. I mean, it is literally, it has become this sort of he said, she said argument. Right. And it's sometimes hard to get a, get a uh, I mean, I have a sense of what's going on here. Right. But maybe you can break it down, simplify it for us. I'll do my best. Okay. <laughs> um, so on the, I'll start with the FIFA side because I think that's 
maybe the simplest side. Um, so FIFA, you know, award awards prize money for playing in the tournaments, right? Uh, for you know, each round you play, you get mo each team gets money advancing on to the finals. The better and you do, the more money you the, get. Exactly, huh? and uh, distributed and evenly among distributed the, the team members. Well, that's it's distributed to the federation, and the federation decides how Got it's it. going to spend okay. money. Okay. But yeah, I mean, okay. generally speaking, the okay. players get you know a, a some cut of that. Mm -hmm. FIFA um, increased the amount for the women's tournament to about 40 million, I think it's about $40 million now for, for total prize money. The for entire the, tournament. For the entire tournament. How does that compare to the men's? Well, that's it. So the men's tournament was, so before it was, I think, I think it was like 30,000 for the women, 30 million, sorry, for the women's and 250 million for the men's. So then they made this That big, was the total prize. The total prize money. To be yeah. distributed. Yeah. And uh -huh. so they said, I told you I'm not gonna make this more simple. Um, but uh, they basically, with great fanfare said, oh, we're increasing women's money by about 33%. So they raised it from 30 to 40 million, right. roughly. At the same time, they raised the men's to 400 million, right? Okay. So they actually raised the men's money, I mean, uh, percentage-wise less, Yeah, that's right, right. that's but, their argument. But, they, but actually more. Um, but, so for US soccer to say, well, look, we're not paying you the same as the men's for prize money for FIFA, well, there's some legitimacy there, right? I think, right, because FIFA gives out X number of you know X amount for for the winner. So, you know, if the women's team wins and gets, I can't remember exactly, exactly it's two million for winning something mm -hmm. like okay. that. Right, um, for making the round of sixteen in men's, that's about what you're getting, right? right? So right. there's there's disparity there mm -hmm. that is explainable by FIFA, and we can talk about that's mm -hmm. another debate whether FIFA should right. increase the amount of money that it gives to sure. the women's team. Well, and of course it um, should, but right, right. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. Um, on the on the U.S. soccer side is where it gets really sort of tricky, right? Um, so U.S. soccer at once is saying that women get paid more than men. And that women don't deserve to get paid more than right, or that they don't get paid more than men, right? Um, on the they say get, both those things at the same so, time. Their argument. From, those two statements sound contradictory. They are completely are okay. contradictory, and they're actually saying both of them in court of law, right? Okay. All of this is going to be. I mean, you know, the U.S. Women's Team or U.S. Women's Players Federation, Players Association, and FIFA. I mean, and U.S. Soccer are going to court, right? They they failed to reach uh, a settlement, and so. A lot of these documents, a lot of people who study women's soccer are, are sort of excited, right? Because soft famously a very opaque business when it comes mm -hmm. to money. Um, and nobody really knows where money is going, where it's coming from. Um, so, um, so on one hand, what U.S. soccer is saying is that they pay salary, the NWSL salaries, the National Women's Soccer League salaries, for the 22 women's players who are on the roster. Is that right? Yeah. So, they, the, so the, the clubs do not pay the, the salaries. Clubs do not pay that salary. U.S. soccer pays US the soccer. salaries of the of, of, of uh, yep. women's of the U.S. women's national team. Players. This is true. This is actually an agreement. The Canadian the Canadian uh, national the Canadian Federation has a number of players on NWSL teams, and it pays pays the salaries of those players as well. Um, and the Mexican Federation did as well until it started its own league uh, three years ago. Hmm. Um, so this was a way to basically ensure that your national team players were going to be getting playing time and right. et cetera. Um, so they pay the salaries and the, um, and the healthcare and all that stuff that they don't pay for the men's, right? So the men's, and this is, they have different contracts, different bargaining agreements. Um, the men's team gets per diems, they get a performance fees uh, or perform, you know, 
for showing up mm -hmm. for winning a thing a friendly get a certain amount around 16,000 for winning a friendly um and, and so they don't have any of that sort of job security the assumption is the job security comes from their professional team right right, right. Uh, because right. they're professional they, 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 their leagues are more economically their leagues viable are more economically right. viable right. there's another story and it, it's quick digression right U.S. soccer basically has been subsidizing MLS for years and years and years. Um, it's not fully a digression. The men's league. The men's league. Yeah. It hasn't subsidized the women's league. In fact, hmm. it specifically in, in going back 20 years almost, right, when the women's uh, WUSA. The league was created the, the right league after, was created the after 99. Right, when it was about to fold in 2002, 2003, it went to U.S. soccer and asked for a loan. And U.S. soccer said no. So it's a fascinating sort of reality yeah. there. But U.S. soccer would argue that they do subsidize the women's league because they pay the salaries, right? They pay right. Well, yeah. this is their this, the, is, this, this is, is their argument, argument right? Okay. But they don't subsidize it nearly to the tune that they subsidize MLS. So there's there's that side, right? Right. So on one side, they're saying we pay them we pay them more, more, right, right. 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 On the other side, they're saying they don't deserve more because they don't earn as much. And this is where the numbers get super super fuzzy because mm -hmm. soccer has a contract with. Uh, an organization called Sports Mark, some Soccer United Marketing, and some was created in 2002 by the MLS and U.S. Soccer, and it basically owns the rights to the U.S. Women, women's National Team, the U.S. Men's National Team, and Major League Soccer, uh, mm -hmm. and it also does some stuff with Mexican soccer, but it bundles all of those rights the, for the the national teams, all of those rights together, and then it distributes them out, right? So. In other words, the income of the men's national team and the income of the women's national team in terms of TV set, TV rights, tickets, all of that goes into one pool. Hmm. And they don't disaggregate that based on which team is earning more. So there's no way to actually know which team is earning more. At least they've never shared that data. Hmm. And then, interestingly, um, some, the mm -hmm. Soccer United Marketing, is also wholly owned by MLS. Yeah. So all of the MLS teams, all of the men's soccer teams own a, a state in some. Some pays $30 million to U.S. soccer every year for the rights. It gets X amount, amount of money in the hundreds of millions of millions of dollars, and then it distributes, distributes it to its owners. It's also the MLS teams. So actually, women's soccer, we don't know how much they're earning, and part of what they earn is likely going to subsidize men's professional soccer hmm. in the United States. So there's a lot of different levels to it, right? Right. Um, it also, uh, Josh, unless I misunderstood you, to go back to what you said a moment ago, if U.S. soccer is helping pay women's salaries and not paying men's salaries, but it's subsidizing MLS in other ways, mm -hmm. they can both say they're paying more for women's salaries while giving more money to the men. Correct. Right? Okay, I just want to make sure I understood and, that. And, and, and again, I mean, women's professional soccer U.S. soccer has a, a, a monetary stake in MLS. It does not have a monetary stake in NWSL, right? Uh, and it did not have a monetary stake in, in the prior women's professional soccer leagues. So it actually needs MLS to succeed, which is why it has funded MLS. I mean, MLS has not tur turned up, but it's a 24-year-old, year old, and it has yet to turn a profit. WUSA folded after after three three years because it was about fifteen million dollars in debt. Um, so it's it sort of speaks. I guess this, the, there's a broader issue that I'm trying to get at, which is that there just isn't historically a level of support for women's soccer in the United States. So when we talk about equal pay, U.S. soccer is basically trying to stonewall. They don't where they could pay women and men equally. So the fees for uh, friendly matches they right. don't. 
right? So women get about $5,000, I think, for, for a friendly, uh, for winning a friendly, men get about $16,000. Men typically have a busier schedule as well uh, because they have more, they're more national team games, they're more team games within federation, they're more international dates for them to play. Uh, so again, men are getting more pay there. And you could say, if US soccer were to say, we will pay the same amount for friendlies, um, but women make women play fewer friendlies. Well, that's fine. But they're getting equal pay for what what they're doing. Right. Okay, but but also, Josh, the you, you sent us you sent us an article a, a little while ago about about these salary dispute issues. Mm-hmm. And one of one of the issues in the article, what's the name of the, the head of soccer, Rodrigo? So Cordero. One of the things that you know he claimed that look we. Pay more money from the World Cup disbursements to the women than we do to the men, mm-hmm. and the counter from the women was, "Yeah, but we've played 21 World Cup games right. in whatever period of time, yeah. and the men have played eight. Right. So there's also this very clear disingenuousness, it seemed, in some of the claims they were making to try to show." that they were supporting the women at a level that they were clearly not supporting them at. And this is what's really sort of fascinating. It's like, I, this mm. is going to court. All of these documents, it's all this accounting in, is come out in public. Mm. Why would you be, you know, was the, the purpose, the, purpose and w- the, the Women's Professional Players, Players Women's Players Association isn't sort of being cowed by this, like, pub, basically public relations blitz that U.S. soccer to do. Not only that, the men's, National Team Players Association is in support of the Women's National Team right. Association at this point, right? Which is a major step for a long time. Sort of the men's but players not, have not, not Alexi Lawless. Well, not Alexi Lawless. Alexi we'll Lawless is out we'll of step with Lawless. just about everybody. <laughs> uh, but but no, I mean it, it is a major step because for a long time the men's federation and players association sort of stayed quiet uh, on these issues, right? Well, and, Josh, and U.S. Women's Soccer, or sorry, U.S. Soccer, U.S. the U.S. Soccer Federation is a tax exempt organization, right? They are a not-for-profit organization. All soccer federations globally are, including FIFA, are not-for-profit not for organizations. Okay, well, how, how FIFA is that? Yeah, whatever. But <laughs> so, has, for the record, FIFA has about $2 billion in liquid assets at any one time. So they're interested in, in, in profit. I find it um, problematic that U.S. soccer is making this sort of straight profit argument, this economic mix argument. They can spin the numbers any way, any way they want, but they, they, they've spun the numbers and they said, well, the women just, women just don't make as much as, as the men. But if you're a not-profit organization, you have a greater social mission. It's not about profit. This is, this is sort of the fallacy of all soccer federations everywhere, right? Uh, it, though it's become, it's much more clear in the United States, I think, because the women's team is better, right, than right. the men's team. Yes. Uh, that women's soccer largely... Relative to the rest of the world. Relative to the rest of the world. Right? Yeah. Of the world. Yeah. Um, you know, Again, this is not to say that you know resources shouldn't be split fifty-fifty everywhere, but it's just that the lack of parity here is 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 more galling because of the the success of the women's team. Right. A, a, a very quick interjection: yeah. until I think about five years ago, the NFL itself, it is worth note, noting, was a nonprofit. Really, the franchises were right. for-profit okay. entities, okay. but yes. the NFL itself right. was a nonprofit, which gives a sense of the absurdity of that designation, certainly in American tax law, and it sounds like from what you're describing, perhaps everyone else in the tax law. But but I mean, I think, so the the, the kind of parity and sort of the the profit 
status, right? Yes, U.S. soccer is supposed to grow soccer around the country, right? Right. That is that is its goal. It is not. It does not say grow men's soccer. It does not say grow children's soccer. It does not say grow women's soccer. It says to grow the sport. And so, to not spend equally from top to bottom, right? From youth soccer all the way up to professional leagues, right? It is in in U.S. soccer in in the best interest of soccer in the United right. States for there to be equality right. in the way that resources go right and and to a certain extent because women's soccer was left with the exception i mean was left to sort of develop on its own for so long you know some form of dare i say extra money for women's soccer to to sort of get it up to the level of men's soccer well once again if if change is going to come it's going to come not because of um, the leaders of sports federations uh, realizing the mistakes that they've made it's going to come because brave athletes just put their necks right. and said over and over and over and over like billy jilly jing did with the for you know forming her own tennis tour in the 1970s and like alex morgan, alex morgan rapino are doing now they're just not having it, having it anymore any predictions i think that probably the u.s women's national team is going to win this battle i I hope this the U.S. women's national team wins this battle, and I hope it sort of, sort of serves as. I mean, I don't want to say you know I hate to sort of have the United States serving as a beacon, right? Um, mm -hmm. But I do hope that it sort of sends a signal to the rest of the world. Right. There are, and I do want to say that there are other places where you know in Norway, for example, there is equal equality between national teams. Right. Um, you know, the best player in the world, Ada Hegerberg, didn't play because she felt like her federation was not supporting things equally, right? So there's a, a good deal of, of equality and, and, and equity around the world. Um, you know, but I do think that it, it will serve, you know, it will help federations like uh, women's teams, like in Argentina, like in Chile, like in Jamaica, the women's team is presently on strike because they're not getting paid their, their promised salaries. Um, well, so well, I think it will, will, will help. I mean, Josh, this goes to your first point about the, the platform, right? Yeah. I mean, mean, the U.S. is a beacon or not. Right. This is the best women's soccer team in the world. In the world. Yeah. It has given them a certain platform from yeah, which yeah. they're able to fight these sorts of fights in ways that are going to have much more, more credibility than, you know, yeah. in spite of the fact of sexism than has been the case in the past. Yeah, right? I, I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. Um, and I would also just really quickly point out sure. that I, I was sort of dissing Brazil earlier. They did, in fact, hire former U.S. national team coach Pia Sundage recently. So she is now uh, the head of the Brazilian Federation or the head of Brazilian women's team. And that's something that gives those of us who love Brazilian soccer a, big, a lot of hope. Good. Uh, I, I want to add one more thing before we move on to the next part of our discussion, which is I just have, as we've been talking about this, I've had in my head the economist Dave Barry is a very prominent sports economist and has really been over the last, I would say, five years or so, in particular on social media, just relentlessly making the case for women's sports in general, including the WNBA. And one of the points he makes over and over again is to the argument that, well, the women get paid less because there's less interest in them, mm -hmm. uh, his, his response is, Look, interest follows coverage. It's not just that, you know, coverage is a sponge for whatever people are naturally interested in. It also shapes tastes and preferences and interests. And if you gave women's sports, and he's not talking about 50-50, right. but if you gave women's sports more coverage and more attention, there would surely be more interest, which would then create more revenue and further legitimize and justify Yep. Women getting paid more, and so I just just that that notion that somehow this is the natural state of things, 
is that is clearly a fallacy. Right, right. And the success of women's sports in the last 30 or 40 years is proof of that. Right. right. And, and still, in many ways, in spite of the lack of coverage. Exactly. Right? Right. And I think, you know, this is something that we, we talk about a lot in, in the case of any sports development in Latin America. You know, sports did not develop in a vacuum, right? The sports media, the newspapers, all of that sort of, they all grew symbiotically, right? And I think the same is probably the case in the United States. Right, right. Well, let's uh, switch gears and talk about uh, uh, more soccer here, here in the United States, but a league that I suppose globally flies under under there a little bit you know it, it's not one of the top four four uh, leagues in the in, in the united states major league, league soccer you know I, I, to students there's so much what's your favorite team what's well, chelsea or it's arsenal or it's man united but we actually have a a pretty th- uh, popular thriving uh and growing all the time uh professional soccer league here in the united states um which i just think it's so fascinating that it's got involved in this political issue Recently, and it's an issue that um, you know doesn't just apply to soccer. I think it's an issue that actually all uh, professional sports leagues in the United States are really going to have to wrestle and and deal with. But it's soccer, interestingly, that's that's doing it first. Walk us through, Josh, uh, the new rule that came out of Major League Soccer and 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 their reasoning behind that that rule. I wish I could understand the reasoning okay. behind the rule. Um, but I mean, basically, this we'll, we'll settle just for. A description of the, oh, the rule. rule, basically. Yeah. Okay, so starting this season, so starting this summer, basically, uh, since soccer plays, uh, U.S. soccer plays uh, off schedule with the rest, rest of the soccer, but start, starting summer, MLS created a rule saying that you were not allowed to have any any pool banners uh, at soccer stadiums, uh, any any pool messages at soccer soccer stadiums. Whatever the intent intent this was, right? The perception is that it was. It was specifically aimed at the supporters of particular clubs who are incredibly active in sort of both uh, immigrants' rights, sort of in social justice movements more right. broadly, let's say. So whether it's immigrant, immigrants' rights, LGBTQ rights, uh, anti-fascist movements, you know, basically it was directed at them because the supporters groups in American soccer, for the most part, are very progressive. Um, which you know sort of flies in the face of much of the rest of the world. Yes. Um, but um, but flies so, in the face of I think when we th- when we think about sports fandom to a degree right. in the United States. Right. I mean you, you you don't see these types of issues in NFL stadiums being right. expressed. Well, right. And when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, we saw how right. So this I mean to a certain extent this is MLS's uh, effort to get in front of any potential political issue might come up. Right. If they for them for them to be as sort of quote unquote quote unquote patriotic, right? Because hmm. we all know that to, to make sports and politics is unpatriotic. <laughs> well, right. and, and in economic terms, almost surely, in their view, to sideline line and shoe that they think can limit their growth. Yes, right? and I think you know much like the NFL, the ownership of a of a of a team ownership is it, it costs money to own teams, so. Typically, people are pretty wealthy. Typically, people are somewhat more conservative. I would say skew more conservative mm-hmm. than the average fan base. Um, but what ended up happening is that MLS sort of stuck their foot in it, right? Because, again, all of the most of these supporters clubs are basically supporting social justice in one way, shape, or form. So, you know, there is an LGBTQ day in the MLS where everybody wears rainbow numbers. Well, okay, so what's wrong with having a rainbow flag, right? Um, there's, you know lots and lots of Latinos playing in the league. What's wrong with suggesting that, you know, 
immigrant rights be respected. That's not really a political issue, that's a human rights issue. Um, and so really what MLS effectively did was to ban the, these of symbols of, you know, progressive human rights action. Um, and Alexei Alexi Loss then sort of weighed in um, with uh, a comment that there was a, am I allowed to swear? This, this, this is a former high-profile U.S. men's soccer player. He was, right, he yeah. was on the 94 team. 94 he is team, the right. Fox Known News. for his long red hair and He's red He's in a grunge team. band. He had a really bad grunge band. Yeah. Um, he was, you know. Right, and he's been a color commentator on World Cup broadcasts right. for well, and, several cycles. Now. And a little background, he, he's, he's clearly learned from like the Stephen A. Smith School of Journalism that w the key to being a successful journalist is whatever you're going to say, just just say it loudly. Yes. And, and this is right. what he does. I, I think so you want to swear, Olivia, can he swear? Can I yeah, swear? Okay, okay. so, Thanks, so basically, if you yeah, thank swear, you. we have to put a note on the podcast. About the that it's it got a little put a little we e. Think we can right. do well, it. but yeah. it's from a sign. I'm I'm quoting something yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, no, but so first um, to go back. So Megan Rapino to go back to her briefly. Okay. Yeah. Megan Rapino uh, kneeled in support of Colin Kaepernick, first um, white athlete in the for, United States, right. I believe. To, exactly. To do and that. and she said basically like, look, as a, as a gay woman, woman, uh, I am, you know, I feel like I have have a lot because of what the state, I, I un understand his struggle. And so I'm, so I'm, in, I'm kneeling in solidarity to which Alexi Lala, a, you know, white male said, I think you're wrong. And he ranted for like five minutes on a soccer, uh, on, on a soccer commentating day. Oh, and about, Josh, just remind us yeah. quickly, the team or the league or both also then Barred they, her behavior. Yeah, they tried to get this her. This is yeah. for US, the US, US women's the national US team. US national right? team, right. right. Um, and so, anyway, so this is sort of, uh, I guess, context on Lawless. Um, so, this season, uh, so one of the one of the fan clubs in uh, in LA um, for LAFC is very much uh, an immigrants' rights organization, uh, and 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 agitates for immigrants' rights. And so, someone had a, a sign, and here's what I'm going to swear, uh, that said "fuck ICE," right? Um, and and this is a this fan club has shirts that say "abolish ICE" and etc. And Lawless took to Twitter and said basically like, I'm really worried that that a, a sign like this might cause fights in the stand, that, it, that it's gonna, it's going to offend some, there will be violence in the stand because of this sign. The, the term for this, by the way, is concern trolling. Yes, this, this is concern trolling. So, so he, and it's, you know, and it just, it's, it, it's, it's sort of in, in fear that MLS would sort of take this stand. So again, it's, it's about sort of policing human rights speech basically when allowing for uh you know saying that the status quo is what is what we want um and that alexi lawless who has a quite a big platform um you know would then parrot the sort of position of you know oh politics and sports there's no place for that you know let's be concerned about safety yeah. when in reality you know, on the border, there are thousands of. He's he, he's played that old trick too, where where people argue with him, and he tries to say, well, you don't want people uh, at a soccer game wearing a "Make America Great Again" hat, do you? It's like, well, uh, maybe I don't, but that's their right. right. They can do that if they right. want. Yeah, people and, are allowed to to do those and, things. And it's also disingenuous of him because he has made very clear that it's not that he just, in general, doesn't like polit political speech. Right. He has said very clearly yes, that women, women stand for the national right. anthem because right. that's what it means, means to be true. So right. he has his own clear ideological 
viewpoint, and and he used his platform to, to, as a commentator to to, 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 to that. yeah. So exactly. I, I right, I think he's disingenuous. What what he's not saying is uh, what he should be saying is if if anyone attacks someone wearing that shirt, they should be barred from stadiums. What he's saying right. is no one should be allowed. So, right. so he's he's all mixed up there. But let me, let me I I do want to. This is not so much sticking up for lawless or major league soccer, but I think this is an issue that that sports organizations really have to wrestle with. There have been incidents where these you know neo-nazi fascist proud boys come you know rolling into stadiums and target people who are holding up signs like this right sure. it's happening in seattle it's happening in portland yep. um portland has sort of been a ground zero right the portland the portland timber the mls franchise in portland has been a ground zero for anti-fascist activism specifically Right. And so, so I don't know what the answer is, but this is every sports federation's worst nightmare to have, you know, political gang violence. And I and I do want to equate people who are pressing for immigration rights with neo Nazis, but they don't see it any differently. The people who run who runs these but, leagues. But that's the problem, right? Because okay. people who are carrying signs are making a statement, but they're not inciting violence. Right. Right. They're not suggesting that people go out and kill ICE agents, right? What they're saying is we need to, I mean, they want people to think about the policies of the country. When the Proud Boys come through and attack those people, well, it's actually a really easy solution. Bar the Proud Boys. Right. Bar right. those arrest people. Arrest them for committing arrest acts of those violence. people, right? right. And, and Josh, just to your point, in more immediate terms, not only are they not inciting violence, they are not themselves engaged in any violent activity in the stadium. Right. 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 And so the line you draw is, if you're engaged you, in violent stadium, in, in violent activity, then you can be you, barred from the stadium. Right. Say right. what you want. Right. Don't get violent. Right. right. I think we're over time. Sorry. No, I no, tend, no, no. I tend to ramble. Sorry. This has <laughs> actually been awesome and fascinating. Yeah. And thank you for walking us through that immensely convoluted issue about about pay. Sorry to, um, sorry to make convoluted. No, no. I don't think there's any way of, of, of you know, really talking about talking about that, talking about all of the, the vagaries of it. Because then, then this sides are doing. They're kind of pointing to the vagaries and, and, and inventing different stories. As you say, a legal adjudication of these matters will hopefully clarify <laughs> some of this ambiguity. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Well, thanks again, Josh. Thank you yeah, so thank much. You Josh. No, thank uh, you, guys. And Matt, this is fun as always. It was. Uh, we will do it again soon. Just as a reminder to everybody, we are the Agony of Defeat podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud or iTunes. I was about to say wherever you find podcasts. That's not true yet, but we're going <laughs> to hopefully move in that direction this year. And if you like the podcast, uh, please share it with others. Please like it. Um, please rate it uh, because that helps the algorithm, which brings it to more people's attention and so forth and so on. And so we would love it if you would do that. And until next time, we'll see you.